0: Hey guys, this is a video just to follow on from that SMV uh, college teen dating uh, video for girls. And we'll talk about what does this look like for boys? You know, what is success for boys? What is the vision that we want to put ahead for boys? The vision that is set for us by the culture is pretty much summed up in libertarianism. You know, do what you want as long as it makes you happy. I'm my own guy. I only care for myself. You do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. Seek pleasure. And it's very disconnected. From any sense of belonging, any sense of meaning, any sense of duty. So we want to look at a different worldview, a different framework. What is a godly success metric to raise young boys into? We'll look at three different layers. There's personal success, local success, and tribal success. So on a personal level, we're looking at status, wealth, and family. You know, that's the ground level success that you know, even in natural, you know, you don't have to be a Christian, but like the kind of natural law, common grace, whatever you want to call it, most people will understand that boys compete for status. You know, whether it's games, sports, hobbies, it could be the randomest hobby, the randomest interest. If there's at least two boys there, they're going to compete for status of who is good at giving their gift, who is good at doing this thing, at achieving. Because love is not a huge thing for men, like unconditional love or whatever, it doesn't really happen for men. Men have to achieve, men have to give, men have to do things to be loved. And the way that men really receive love is respect. They want other men to respect them. You know, so whatever your random hobby is, right? it could be chess, it could be cars, it could be an obscure scientific niche research project. You want other men in that field to respect you. You want other men in that field to say, that guy is competent, that guy is strong, or that guy is brave. Uh, In his book, The Way of Men by Jack Donovan, uh, he says there's three metrics that men use to size up status in a hierarchy. That is courage versus cowardice, right? No, No boy wants to be called a coward. It's mastery versus incompetence. No boy wants to be called incompetent. And it's strength versus weakness. No boy wants to be called weak. You really hit to the core of a boy's heart uh, with those three metrics, strength versus weakness, courage versus cowardice and mastery versus incompetence. So that's status. We want to encourage boys to build status. It says about Jesus, he grew in stature with God and man. We want to grow in stature. We want to grow in courage, in strength and in mastery at the things that we find important around the people that we want to be respected by. That's a good thing to encourage. You know, a lot of people will be like, "Oh, you got to watch out for pride. Humility is knowing who you are. So it says by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. That's in Proverbs by, by humility, by understanding who I am. I am God's son. I am Jesus bride. I am my father's son. Who am I understand and be humble about who you are. So so be who you are. Don't be who you are not. Right. So pride and condemnation. Pride says, you know, I'm better than everyone else. And I did this all on my own. It's often beyond what is true. I'm the greatest. I've sized everyone up and I'm the greatest or whatever, you know, condemnation is the other side of that. It's a lack of humility. It's a lack of knowing who you are, it's like, I can't do it, I'm a victim, I'm useless, I'm all this stuff. You know, so boys often fall into those two things because they don't understand that humility is actually seeing yourself rightly and being confident, being confident of the gift that God has given you to give, being confident of your place among people in a hierarchy, being confident that being in a hierarchy is good and gaining stature, gaining status in a hierarchy is a good thing because you're using it to serve people. Proverbs 18 says, a man will give his gift and it will make room for him and bring him before great men. It's talking about hierarchy, and giving your gift. So that's status, and then wealth. For the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Again, it's a natural thing in our hearts to want to increase property. What is wealth? You know, so often in in our again in our culture, wealth is cash. Wealth is this money in a bank account. And there's a great book called The Four Hour Workweek, which I would, you know, it's a really clickbaity title. But it's a great breakdown on what is work and wealth and income and cash flow. You know, so often we get so busy working for cash and we start dreaming about winning the lottery. And we're like, man, if I had a million bucks, you know, and we all want to be a millionaire. And this guy says in the in his book, Tim Ferriss, he says in this book, he says, so many people want to be a millionaire, not for the million bucks, but for the feeling and the things that they think a million bucks would enable them to do. And then in this book, he goes on to break down that you actually don't need a million bucks to go and do your purpose, to go and do the things that make you excited, to go and give your gift that God has given you to give, you know, so wealth is a huge part of our life, right? We need a roof over our head, food to eat, and we need ability to pursue projects, things that make us excited. That is in this day and age money, you know, money is an energy. It's a tool to go and accomplish things. Unfortunately, we're not discipled in the use of money. Instead of money being a tool, money being our servant, we worship money and we become a tool to money. We become a servant to money and we just go and work and waste away our life working for money. When actually, you know, what would you do with the money? It's so important to teach your boys to have a million dollar vision, a $10 million vision, a hundred million dollar vision, whatever it is. But what is your vision? If you had the money, what would you do? You know, it's like, well, I would be a farmer, or I'd be a cop, or I'd be a ranger, or I'd be an astronaut rocket scientist, or, you know, whatever the dreams are on the boy's heart. Money is simply a tool to take us there, right? So you can, you got to hold this huge, big vision and then say, all right, well, what are the things we can do? You know, well, if you want to be a farmer, you can start growing herbs in pots. You can grow a rabbit for a hundred bucks. You know, we don't have a million bucks to go get a cattle farm, but can you grow a tomato? It's, it's starting small in scale. It's the understanding that wealth is the tool to your purpose work. Wealth is the tool to you giving your gift where you want to go. And you start where you're at, at the scale that you're at. You be faithful with the one coin. And if you are blessed with an inheritance, because an inheritance is a good thing. Again, it says a righteous man lays up an inheritance for his children's children a good man a righteous man right inheritance is a good thing so you want to help your children achieve their goals achieve their big vision but money is not the goal your your goal is the goal what you would do with the money is the goal so that's wealth and we want christians to be wealthy robbie kiyosaki another great book rich dad poor dad wealth is not just money in the bank right that's that's fine that's nice wealth is the things that produce the money in the bank assets right Property, machines, tools, equipment, businesses. That is wealth. Land, minerals, resources. That is wealth. Skills, knowledge. That is wealth. If it can create income, that is the actual asset. It's an asset, an income generating asset. That is wealth. So we want to encourage our boys to go after building wealth. Not working for cash, but building wealth. And that's a wonderful thing. We want Christians to be the ones who have all the assets we want christians to have the the big businesses the big organizations the big institutions and that takes money right because then they have influence in society you know it says a rich man has many friends but a poor man probably not excuse my paraphrasing theology you'll get it but we want wealthy men to be men who love the lord and who honor him with their wealth and their status right so that's a good thing to teach our boys and then thirdly is family on on the personal level a personal level of success is family we want to find, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's not good for a man to be alone. A good man, a righteous man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So we start seeing things here of like, okay, life is not just about me. You know, life is not just the libertarian dream of I'm living on an island and screw everybody else, I'm, I'm squared away. We want to marry someone that we find attractive and want to spend the rest of our life with. And, you know, she'll become a helpmeet to us. And so we want to understand that it's good to be married. It's a blessing to be married. It's not an old ball and chain. It's not a curse. Unfortunately, you do see that, right? You see men who have married badly and it destroys their purpose. It destroys their wealth. It destroys their status. It destroys their life, you know? And unfortunately that's what the culture wants you to believe is that, oh, marriage is bad and you have to be super cautious of ever getting married and stuff like that. And that you know, to an extent they're right because of where we're at. But again, raising boys, you want to raise them with the mindset that to be married is good, to be married to a virtuous woman, to be married to a prudent wife. A prudent wife is her husband's crown. And so we want to help our boys understand what will make a good wife, what will make a good helpmeet, what will make a good mother to your children and your children's children. And then we want to understand that children are a blessing. Children are a gift from the Lord. Children are arrows in the hands of a warrior. So if we all understand the concept that men want to be warriors, we want to we want to be uh, dutiful to the Lord as our king. Well, I want as many arrows as I can have, you know, as many arrows as the Lord will bless me with. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have children and raise them up in the way that they should go. Again, culture will tell you, oh, be careful about having kids. You just don't know how they'll turn out. And it's a gamble. And it's like, no, the Bible says raise a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. It's a promise. You know, it's a scriptural promise. Raise them this way. That's the way they'll go. So that's the personal levels of success. Status, wealth, family. Now on a local level, right? There's there's another level, right? There's another layer of success. The local economy. Our culture, our global, globalized culture where everyone can go anywhere and you're just a cog in a machine and you can fit there and you can fit there and place doesn't matter. All that matters is ideas. America is just an idea. We long for belonging to a place. We long for roots in a place. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the Russian author who lived through all the gulags and, and all of that, he said the way to destroy a people is to sever them from their roots, sever them from their local place, sever them from their tribal place. We'll get to that in a bit. How do you build a people? How do you disciple a nation? How do you edify a people? it's to give them roots to somewhere. It's, it's for them to belong somewhere. Uh, the economist Russell Lamberti has a great saying, he says belonging is to be long somewhere. And so we often struggle with that. Um, us globalized, you know, it's, it's kind of almost too late for a lot of us to feel belonging. Uh, but what we're doing is we're going through the metric of our children will feel belonging, you know, so If your parents moved into a new area, they probably didn't feel belonging at all. Uh, But their children felt belonging because you, oh, I was born here, this is where I'm from. All my friends are from here. All the places I go and play is here. This is where I belong. And so what a huge metric of success that is a real important one right now that so many people are thinking is local success, right? Where do I go and live so that my status and wealth and family Can get rooted and passed on to my children's children where they can belong, where they can have a sense of belonging and meaning and purpose in a place. And so, for many of us, you know, we might not feel that. You know, we're all looking around for that. And it's okay to kind of let go of that feeling of not being able to have grown up in a place. But what you can do is contribute to a place, right? So, if you come in, you know, as so many people do, of like, oh, I'm just gonna go, oh, that place is nice and beautiful. I'm just going to go and consume people are going to rightly be like we don't like foreigners here we don't want you here you just come and take 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 but if you go into to give if you go into contribute your gift if you go in to say I'm here to add value then people are often hugely welcoming of the foreigner they're like oh this guy likes our people this guy likes our place he's trying to talk like us he's trying to do things like us he's just trying to fit right in here and give his gift and he's trying to be more us than we are like god bless god bless that guy we'll we'll take him in so on a local level there's three factors of success number one is friendship or a network right so many people feel lonely so many people feel so disconnected because they don't have friends where they live you know you're like man all i want is a good church with some friends all i want is a sports club or a workplace or an association an organization a ministry whatever where i can go at least once a week and hang out with my people with my friends who get my values friendship right friendship is a huge aspect of local success. So we want to teach our young boys to be very intentional with their friends. You know, you want to build friendships, you want to have friends where you live. The second part of local success is security. You know, so many people, there's this thing of like people moving out of the cities or people moving countries because it's not safe for their family, not safe for their investments, their wealth. And so security is a huge factor for so many people when it comes to choosing a place to put roots in political security, right? So many people uh, are politically insecure, politically unsafe, in their local areas. And so they're constantly thinking, should I go there? Should I go there? They have a good king, they have a safe king, that's a huge part of local success is building security, right? So you want to build security. So whether that's physical security, right, learning how to carry a gun, learning how to look after people in a disaster, knowing how to prevent disasters, prevent violence prevent crime all this kind of stuff that is a local success work a work of success and then lastly on on the local success is beauty right people love beautiful places people love beautiful people people love beautiful things beauty is inherent in how god made us he made us to appreciate and be attracted to beauty he also made us to create beauty you know, so, so many people are like, oh, Colorado, it's beautiful. Or, you know, a little hallmark town, a little main street, it's so beautiful. It didn't just happen. You know, people made it that way in the case of the town. You know, you can take an ugly piece of land and make it beautiful. Because to go to Colorado, you're going to have to pay a million dollars for a little shack to, to be part of the beauty. But if you find somewhere that is ugly, it'll be affordable. And you can make it beautiful with your labor. You know, so there's principles of beauty. There's also uh, from a social side, you know, we want to dress better. We want to look better. We want to speak better. Because all things beauty are attractive, respectful, right? To dress better when you go to Walmart at 12 at night in your pajamas, it's disrespectful of the people who you will be around. You want to always convey respect by being as beautifully presented as you can. You know, you want to not have trash all over your lawn. You know, you don't want to have trash in your car. Be beautiful in your property. Be beautiful in your presentation. It's part of local success. People want to live around people who look good. People want to live in an area that looks good. People want to be around places that look good. You know, so beauty is an aspect of local success. And then the last layer of success is tribal, tribal success. You know, so we belong to a lineage, to a heritage, You know, uh, again, the popular culture will have you think that you just arrived, your mom and your dad kind of matter, but beyond that, nope, nothing matters. Like the school system will make you into a global citizen and you can go wherever you want and be part of anything you ever want. And that's just not the truth. You know, it says in Acts 17 that God ordained the times, the boundaries, the spaces of where people groups would be. And that they would grasp for him and seek him amongst their people and that they would find him. And so, you know, Christianity is going to look different in every tribe and tongue. You know, my kind of thing that I'm all about is nationhood for every tribe and tongue, Christ for every nation. You know, Christianity doesn't look the same for the Zulus as it does for the Tosas. Christianity doesn't look the same for the Germans as it does for the English. Christianity doesn't look the same for the Japanese as it does for the Arabs. You know, Christianity will always look different for each tribe, for each tribal expression. And this is not to excuse tribal sins. There are tribal pathologies, right? Each tribe has its negatives. Each tribe has its positives. But God made each tribe. God made each tongue. And He ordained their times. You know, so what does that mean, times? So some tribes disappear. Some new tribes are created. You know, you, lo- you look at the Afrikaners in South Africa, that tribe was created in the last three or 400 years. You know, you look at Americans, that tribe, you know, now it's, it's, it's far bigger and there's many sub-tribes and things like that. But if if you look at the understanding of, of your history, Americans as a tribe were created over the last 300 years. You look at, at the Anglo tribe, right? England is on on the wane. You know, like pretty soon there's not gonna be an English tribe. If things don't change Uh, the same for many European uh, tribes, you know, if they don't, if they don't decide that their tribe is important, that God loves their tribe, that God wants to bless and sanctify their tribe, then their tribe will cease to exist as an expression of God on earth as a, as a hardware for Christianity to be uniquely expressed through, you know, we love the tribal differences. We love the, the, the difference, you know, people are like, Oh, I went to Paris. Well, no one's going to say that anymore when Paris is just the same as London or Joburg or New York, you know We we love the tribal peculiarities and differences and we can appreciate them and we can respect them uh, It's not to say that, you know, like oh One this one tribe must be the whole world. That's globalism, right? Globalism is trying to make one big tribe one big tribeless mass of people with no heritage no connection to the past And so here's the three levels of success for tribe. Number one is heritage, right? You want to bring up your boys rooted in their heritage, connected to their heritage. You want to know who your dad was. You want to know who your dad's dad was, your mom's dad was. You want to know who your great uncle was. You want to know why did they come to this local place? Well, they had friends here. It was secure and it was beautiful. That's why they came here. You know, we want to know the stories. Why did we come here? What am I? Who am I in this great story going back to Adam and Eve? You know, that's the Bible. The Bible is a story of a heritage, of a group of people, of a heritage, right? So we want to know our heritage. We wanna know how do I fit into God's story for today? How did I come to this place in the history? And the history isn't gone and over. The history's carrying on, right? So the second part of tribal success is honor, right? What am I doing today to honor my heritage? What am I doing today to add to my people's history, to my place's history? How do I fit into this? You know, and our, our pop culture is so nihilistic and individualistic. There is no meaning or belonging to a, to a people group. And so you, you wander around, you know, it's like children from divorced parents wander around of like, I don't have a family. My family was broken and it was my fault. It's the same thing with a tribalist person, right? A tribalist people. We wander around of like, I don't have a people group. And it's my fault. Our people group was bad. And it's my fault. You know, that's the lie that's told when actually it's an honorable thing. Like who are your people? Be that, be the meme of your people. You know, what is the meme of your people group? Be the meme, be obnoxiously your people to the honor of your forefathers. And then to the destiny, right? We want to lay up an inheritance for our children's children, destiny. What is the future of our people? What is the future of our people group? How do I play into that? How do I lay up an inheritance? How do I pave the way for a godly inheritance? How do I help my tribe to become sanctified and discipled as unto the Lord? How do I work for their good so that, you know, five generations from now, they'll look back on their heritage that I played a part in heritage, honor, destiny. You know, militarism is the key to a boy's heart, right? We love the fight. We love war stories. We love history often involving wars and politics and, you know, and so when we look at that on a tribal scale, it's one of the easiest appeals to a young boy's heart, you know, is to honor your history, become worthy of carrying that history forward. And then what are you doing to take ground, to build up strength and honor for your tribe, for your people? It's such a, it's an emotive thing for boys, but you can say to a boy on a personal level, right? Your name, what does it mean to be your surname? So many of us understand that if someone calls us to our family name, that it, it does something to us. It raises something in us, be worthy of your family name. And if you come from a bad family name, you be the one to bring that name back up. You know, Jesus in his lineage had prostitutes and liars and murderers in his lineage. You know, Joseph uh, was betrayed by his brothers. David was belittled by his brothers. It doesn't matter what your family history is. If it's great, praise God for it and be thankful and say, I'm going to be great like that for my family name, right? If it's terrible and bad and shameful, I'm going to be great for my family name. It's the same with the local level, right? Oh, you're from this place. You know, we want to bring this place honor. And then your tribe, you know, oh, you're this people group? Well, you want to bring it honor. And it's the same thing, your place can be terrible, your tribe can be terrible. Well, I'm going to bring honor, I'm going to make it honorable so that the next generation inherits a good name, inherits a good place inherits a good people. So praise God. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review. And if you want to follow along on YouTube, our channel is Scott and Kelly and my Instagram page is home with Kelly, Kelly with an I. Thanks so much. And we hope you have a blessed day.